equity of up to £150 million. You're in the theatre, fine, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 119. You can follow me at Astetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, we have got a doozy of an episode for you today. There is a lot to talk about. Uh, start by throwing it out to Scott. He has joined me for this one. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, man? Not much. Chilling. Fucking hilarious result this morning. So I'm gonna 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 move on with my Saturday. Yeah, it's time to move on already. <laughs> so we are recording this uh, only about what 30, 40 minutes after uh, the full time whistle has gone. Tottenham Hotspur to Bournemouth. Three, a uh, lot to talk about from this game. Uh, before we dive in, I uh, want to give a shout out to Caroline for taking over the hosting duties last week as I was away. Uh, yes, got got a little bit of a bucket list trip under my belt, got to attend the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, was incredible. Um, if you want details, you can reach out. Uh, I am happy to share because it was uh, quite the experience. But shout out to Caroline for uh, holding down the hosting duties and uh, for you guys for uh, for filling in for me last week um first first one of these that i have missed here at tottenham depot uh and this is the 119th one so uh really appreciate that and uh just wanted to to get that out of the way uh scott the the apathy has set in for me i know that this is a place that you have been in uh for quite some time with this club for the most part not to say that we don't watch or don't care but the the feelings of apathy you know look i didn't get to watch the brighton game last week live i did go back and watch it after knowing the result which is a rarity for me i was kind of meh about it i thought we played like shit despite getting a victory and then this week i honestly it got to the point where on thursday or friday i had to look up who we were playing this weekend because i didn't even know hadn't really paid attention um and then we get this result, which is, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think by the end of this game, you and I in our group chat, were kind of laughing at it because it is incredible how it's not funny, but it's also at the same time, kind of hilarious how this game went. Right. Totally. Well, first of all, welcome, welcome to the, to the apathetic group. Um, it's very peaceful. As I mentioned in the group chat, it's, um, it's nice. I mean, you you literally minutes after the match just move on with your day and enjoy your weekend, and it's fucking fantastic. So welcome. Um, yeah, I I also I don't like laugh at the club, but I have no choice but to laugh. Um, what, the way that the way that things unfold, I think what really makes me laugh in the end is like, no fucking way is my absolute reaction, and then I is my immediate sorry my no fucking way is my immediate reaction um and then i think about the fact that it spurs and i say eh, maybe not no fucking way actually and that makes me laugh is i think what actually happens right but when we when when they could score their second goal i i laughed i stood up and i said there there it is baby like that was coming and 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 you just knew it so you'll start to notice yourself having these types of reactions when things don't go our way and uh it's better than putting your fist through a wall i mean honestly it is a match that spurs i don't want to say dominated but controlled for the most part i mean if you look at the some of the underlying numbers the xg numbers they had a little over two goals in xg which is what they scored uh, bournemouth had less than a goal uh of xg and they scored three times um it's it's weird that all of 
all of this kind of turn. I mean, the first 20 or so minutes of this match were quite dominated by Spurs. Um, and then, you know, you get the injury to Clement Longley and Davis Sanchez comes on and things really turn. And I think that's kind of the, it's kind of got to be the jumping off point because Davis Sanchez, um, you know, when he came on, I was very, very fearful because I thought, oh God, they're going to stick Davis Sanchez at left center back as a replacement for Longley. And that's going to go very, very poorly. Well, much to my surprise, they actually moved. Christian Romero over to the left side and put Sanchez in what we would think is his preferred spot at right center back. And I thought, Oh, okay, well that's at least something. And then moments after he comes onto the pitch uh, between he and Pedro Porro. um, And I think we can probably put a little bit more of the blame on Pedro Porro for the first goal than anything, but uh, it it was just a, a calamity of errors and very, very bad. And I look Davison Sanchez doesn't deserve to be booed off the pitch in the way that he was by Spurs fans. But at the same time, I get the frustration and the anger that fans feel for a guy who just isn't at this level. And that's not his fault. It's really the fault of the club for keeping him around for this long and, and, and still having him in this role where he gets the, the occasional moment to be on the pitch and has no rhythm and no, you know, no ability to play his way into any kind of form because he plays so sporadically, but this was just a tough scene for, for all folks involved. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I feel for Sanchez. I, I personally am of the belief that you shouldn't, shouldn't boo one of your own like that. I wouldn't be partaking if I, if I was there. Right. But I'm also not here to judge anyone. People can express their emotions, however they see fit. And, um, you know, you can say that it's on it's on he or she or they who boo, right? But but it, you can also say it's on Daniel Levy for the fact that, like you said, Sanchez is still here. So it's it's a bummer, but it's honestly just a, a micro that is the macro of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club right now. I mean, lack of attention to detail, the fact that we can't make a substitution and keep consistent focus. Um, and, and it's all because this club, again, for this umpteenth year in a row, uh, you know, really what I mean is for really since the Champions League final run, right, we're in a situation where we're just kind of putzing around at the end of the year again without a whole lot to play for, right? And I think that's what leads to the apathy on the field from the players and the tendencies to, to lose focus and switch off like Sanchez and frankly others do numerous people switched off in the manner that Sanchez did. And if we're going to sit here and boo Sanchez, we might as well boo Cootie and we might as well boo fucking PEH because they were both shit at the end of the match. And, um, you know, we might as well boo Stellini for having one fucking midfielder on the field for the last 20 minutes when the two man midfield gets fucking run over the whole game in itself. Right. It's just, it's a calamity of just farcical fucking decisions and, and mistakes and performances. And, um, yeah, welcome to Tottenham. A lot of quotes coming out um, as we're recording this post-match uh, about the Davison Sanchez situation. Um, Hugo Lloris uh, says, quote, I feel really bad for him. I've never seen this in my career. It started when he came on the pitch. He's been fighting for Spurs for many years now. Uh, he told this to be in sports. Um, added, uh, quote, the story is sad for the club fans and the player. And I... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that kind of sums it up. It's a sad situation in general. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, I'll, I'll I'll throw this in here as well. Uh, Christian Stellini on Davis and Sanchez. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm reading from Alistair Gold's Twitter account here. He says, quote, I understand it's a tough moment for everyone, and we have to analyze this moment. Everyone needs to analyze how important it is to support a player. I take every responsibility for the decision I make. Uh, he adds later, I thought it was too early in the game to use another striker, so I didn't think that was the time. Then in the second half, it was so Dav- Davinson came off. It was a tough moment, and we will support him. It's a tough moment for him and also the team. I mean, look, a lot of this is word salad, if I'm being perfectly honest. These are the things that you're going to expect uh, both the the interim manager and the, the, the players to say, including the captain. Um, I just... There's, there's no real way around this is a club-created issue that, you know, it, it sucks that one injury. I mean, we go weeks back and we thought Ben Davis getting hurt was going to be like 
the death of this team. And honestly, Ivan Perisic has come back into the role at left wing back and played okay after we saw those few games of of Ben Davis doing it. Now you get one injury to, to Longley at left center back. And all of a sudden, Davison Sanchez is is just a calamity in defense and things fall apart when he comes on the pitch. He really only lasted about 20, 25 minutes of game time on the pitch before they yanked him off. Um, it, and honestly, I hate to make that the whole story of the match because there's so many other things to talk about in this match. But that is kind of the central focus to me is is this whole mess. Yeah, I mean injuries depth all of the above you know you can point to the fact that we continue to play a back three when we don't have the defensive depth to do so um we continue to play a back three when you know we don't really have the wing back for uh, sorry uh, capabilities or depth to do so it it all compounds right um davy's going down is is tough but uh, but again I, I think i'm just at the point where um defensively, I, I think I keep seeing these guys who really should be minutes on the field because we're using three defenders. And um, anyone who listens to the show knows I'm sick and fucking tired of the tactics kind of self. So this is probably super biased when I say this, but I think uh, the most frustrating point for me behind all of this is that we, we continue to see the team set up in ways that's probably not as effective as it should be. And I think, you know, Sanchez coming on, is just a microcosm. I keep using that word, but a microcosm of, of the point I'm making here. So, I mean, the funny thing is when you look at the, you mentioned the depth, I do think that's a big, big issue. I mean, we're talking about a bench today that included two goalkeepers uh, in Fraser Forrester and Brandon Austin. We had, um, other than that, we had Alfie Devine and George Abbott on the bench. So those are not really you know, Premier League options. Um, Papsar was on the bench. I could have easily seen him playing in a three-man midfield along with with Hoybier and Skip if you if you wanted to cho- choose something a little differently today. And honestly, Spurs did set up a little bit differently today in, in a similar way to what they did last week against Brighton where they were playing a little bit more of like a 3-5-2 because Kulisevsky has been playing mm-hmm. a much more of a midfield role these last two weeks. So we have seen somewhat of a change it's just with the same personnel um but honestly the only other the only other option that wasn't used would have possibly been Jaffa Tanganga and I don't know are you trusting Jaffa Tanganga over Davidson Sanchez maybe maybe not I just I don't have a ton of confidence in either of those options right now um yeah you know the the, the big thing was was Dan Juma looked great when he came on and it's a shame that he only got to play 30 plus minutes because that's another one of those things that we start to start to wonder about and think about where has this guy been? Why has he not seen more of the pitch? Um, and I don't know, I don't know who that's in place of or anything, but honestly it's, you know, because I thought Sonny played fairly well today. Sonny's been coming on of late. He obviously got the goal. Perisic is, is over there playing. Okay. Um, I just, the, the depth it, to your point is, has been the biggest issue to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I I look at I look at the fact that we were so we were so willing to to put attackers forward um, to the point where we had one midfielder and I thought that was asinine. You know I think it's like <laughs> overcompensation at that point, right? But I don't I don't understand why you can't play Don Juma for one of the center backs and just play a four two three one from the jump. Like we have nothing to lose at this point. We we set up in a way that tactically has been inept all season long. Somehow we're in fourth place. I or sorry, not in fourth place, but sniffing around that 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 vicinity, right? Even though I think our taxes have been poor all season. But um, you know, we we fire the manager who's implemented those tactics. We bring in his assistant who's gonna play the same exact tactics and they're gonna continue to be inept. Um and then we find ourselves in a oh fuck we're down two one at home to Bournemouth who's absolute shit. Let's start bringing uh, a few more attackers on again, maybe too many of them, right? And playing some attacking football, but we're just going to have to stop playing a, a back three at some point and start playing some attacking football, I think. And I know you can play attacking football in a back three. That's not my point, but we need to change the formation and we need to change the way that, that, that we're approaching the game philosophically, I think, at this point, because um, we have nothing to lose. We're not getting fourth place. I will I will stand very firmly on that hill that we are not getting fourth place, nor do we fucking deserve fourth place. I said in the chat, 
we're not one of the top best four teams in this league and don't deserve Champions League. And I, I think it's hard to argue that at this point. I think we'll finish sixth or seventh, and we just probably need to start to start moving on like tomorrow at this point um, after what I saw today. So I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm ranting, but that's where Spurs have left me. No, I, I, it's it's totally understandable. So it's interesting you bring up the tactics because, as like I said, we're recording this very soon after the game ended. I'm reading some quotes uh, being tweeted out by folks like Alistair Gold, Jack Pitbrook, um, and Stellini is speaking right now, and he 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 brought up the tactics and he said, uh, "quote I accept that today we played two different games. We played a good game until we scored. Then after we conceded the second goal." What happened in the middle is not the mindset we needed. We dropped, and we need to change this mindset. We need to keep the ball in their half of the pitch. Uh, he goes on to add, speaking about Spurs dropping deep after conceding, he says, quote, it's a habit from a long time. We allowed them to score from two mistakes. This isn't a tactical problem. It's individual mistakes, end quote. And for Stellini to use that term in mm-hmm. the conference, again, I'm reading these quotes off of um, – you know, off of the internet. I'm not hearing this, uh, this in context, but just reading that is tough because to your point, Spurs have gone and, you know, have been on this string of, of managers now and keep claiming that these are not tactical things. They're individual errors. And look, 100%, I can, I can watch the game with my very two eyes and see, Pedro Porro losing the ball in the way that he did. Davis Sanchez drifting out wide, allowing, you know, Bournemouth to cut right through the defense and, and, and slot a ball past Hugo Lloris quite easily is two individual errors and a calamity of mistakes. It is. Um, I can also see the, the mistakes Sanchez made on the, on the second goal. I can see mistakes that were made on the third goal. I can see those individual errors. I get that. But there is something grander and more whole that goes into this whole thing in terms of tactics and in terms of, as you mentioned, formation issues. It it, it seems to me that the managers that have been in, in, in charge of this club have been refusing to adapt to what is available. And like you say, we're, we're playing with two midfielders in this 3-5-2 or 3-4-3, whatever you want to call it, depending on what Kulusevsky is doing on a given game. And, they are not adapting to the strengths of this club. Now, if I'm being honest, I don't think this club has many strengths right now. And it's starting. Yeah. Like there, there are a few of them, um, but whoever the manager has been over the last handful of not only games and weeks and months, but also years, the managers have not always been great at finding that tactical edge that the players, you know, are able to adapt to um, due to their strength. It's always been no fit into this system because this is what we need to do. Not let's fit a system around the ability of the players that we have and and their best attributes. And that's been honestly the, the biggest issue for me. It's, it's, it's the biggest problem club over the last handful of years is the, is the lack of, of adaptation. Yeah. I mean, Mourinho, Mourinho came in as a pragmatic defensive, defensively minded manager he inherited a team of absolute hound dogs that had spent five years being super fit and, and and winning winning balls, chasing down possession, pressing high in the final third, and playing very attacking football. Um, it didn't work very well. Pass the buck to Nuno, same tactics. Doesn't work very well. Pass the buck to Conte. Approach, same results. And now Stellini. Probably on Daniel Levy, right? At that point, you have to think for for hiring these managers who aren't well suited to the players that they have, and you know maybe speaks to the fact that he's he's not he's not so much a football mind as he is a business mind, right? Um, and and a brand mind. Mourinho and Conte drive your brand significantly, right? So, um, you know, I think I think it all compounds, and, and frankly, the individual errors shit just drives me fucking nuts, and I say that. At, at what point do you see the consistent individual errors and say, hey, maybe we're not setting these guys up to succeed as well as we should, you know? Um, at what point does that finally click? And to your point, we seem to have managers who will not get to that point, right, regardless of whether or not they should be there. So we can blame – the look, the players are all shit. I can point out to every single one of them being absolute shit in the last month at some point, right? 
But if they're not set up to succeed, I can't put it all at their feet, right? And I really think that's a lot of what's going on at this club. And we have a lot of work to do. It's 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 funny because, you know, again, I, I said on the last show or the one before that, if, if aliens land right now without any prior knowledge of anything that's happening and they learn that the English Premier League is the best league in the world and they look at our, uh, our position at the table, you assume things are going pretty good at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, right? So it feels all weird, but things are not good. They're very disjointed. I think our good buddy Shubon will have plenty to share about how things look inside the stadium right now. We know he was there today in, in, in person and, you know, more to come there. But but things are not good at Tottenham. And, uh, it's it, you know, this, this individual Aries FC thing, whatever we want to call it, is, uh, you know, a, a small part of, of the compounding issue here. But I do think it's something that, that needs to be paid attention to and addressed. Because, like I said, at some point, what do you start? When do you start to question whether or not we're setting the team up for success? No question, and 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 good shout to Shuban, as you mentioned. He he was uh, inside the ground today, and we we are going to effort. The recording schedules just didn't work out for for really for me. It's my fault. I'll take the the blame on that this weekend because I've got shit going on. Um, but I, we're going to try and and effort uh, Shuban and I connecting and and getting getting some of his thoughts uh, into a microphone because he was there and, and he said, you know, he reached out and said, it, it's bad. The atmosphere is bad. And I, I don't think that that will come as a shock to anyone thinking, oh, the atmosphere probably wasn't too great today inside the stadium. It, it, it has to be extremely toxic right now and very fraught. Um, and that's unfortunate, but uh, we're, we are going to make that effort uh, to, to get Shuban's thoughts on this. Um, but before we, kind of shift and and talk a little bit about I do want to I do want to touch a little bit more on Pedro Poro and some other things that 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 some of our listeners reached out about but I do just want to point out I'm I'm, I'm really happy for both Youngman Sun and and Arnatan Juma for, for for their goals today like good on them Sunny is Sunny's had a, an awful season like let's let's not beat around the bush but he has looked better in recent games um and I'm happy for that I'm I'm glad that he's finding a little bit of joy and Danjuma look I mean I mentioned it earlier I, I would have I would have loved to be seeing a little bit more of him um he, his situation's very interesting because obviously he's only on loan and honestly from what I've seen with him I would love to to be able to make that deal permanent and and have this type of player going forward to see whoever the next manager is, see what they can do with him in, in this scenario. But, um, you know, on the same side of the coin, it's like, I don't know about Richarlison right now, man, like the, the, the dichotomy of the end of the match today, where he has a free header inside the six yard box. And that would have given us a three, two lead. And then moments later, Bournemouth go ahead three, two, you know, kind of at the death. It's just, there's a real disconnect in terms of what the forwards, you know, what, what's going on with all the forwards. Uh, Cause Kulisevsky's not yeah. been late. Kane has not been, you know, his, uh, it, it's hard to hold Kane to a level that, that he, we know he's at, but Kane, Kane did not have a great game uh, today. Uh, I thought, and it's just, it's, it's weird, man. We've got all these attacking options, but not all of them seem to be gelling at the same time. Yeah. I mean, first of all, and you, I know you agree with this. Kane is, Kane is just a world-class player running around with a bunch of dumbasses on his team, and I feel for him. I mean, I don't think um, I don't think Sonny's a dumbass. I think Sonny's okay, had a bad season for sure. Of and course, I, I say that somewhat in jest, really, right? But. I also don't really think Kulisevsky's a dumbass. I think Kulisevsky has had a, a, a little bit of a struggle of late too. But I, I get what you're saying. It's it's yeah. it's tough to watch a player I'm talking like back Kane. Run. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough for him. So I feel for him. Sonny's had a rough season. Sonny, I will always back to 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 bring himself out of those periods. He always does. You know, Kulisevsky is interesting, very talented. He does have one trick, literally one trick, and I'm starting to realize that, right? And if you can find a way to shut that down, if, if you can find a way to keep him from inverting, he's going to be really quiet. Um, he's going to have to figure that out, and I do somewhat suspect that that's, that was maybe Juve's concern with him as well. Um Danjuma, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say you rebuild the team around him, but I said on Twitter today, he better play every available minute the rest of the season, and I say that because he's the only one that fucking had any heart in that last 10 minutes. You know, from what I saw, he was fucking fired up, and he was fighting for that, for, for every every single, you know, bit of, bit of grass that, that was 
beneath his feet. And I really appreciated seeing that because we don't see that from this team at all anymore. Um, it's a real thing. So all credit to Don Juma. Um, and then Richarlison, I feel bad for the guy, man. It's so hard as a striker when you, when you aren't getting consistent game time. And some of that's his injuries, of course, right? Without question. But, you know, coming into a new team with pressure on you, um, all the injuries, the World Cup, you know, as you've astutely talked about all year, had implications. Um, and then and then you just look at the overall toxic atmosphere at Spurs, and it's pretty hard to, to, to be a bit part player and do a whole lot with that, I think, too. So I'll be very curious to see what Richarlison looks like next year under a new manager. I'm very excited about that. But, that you know, we, we what well, really comes down to, though, and we can talk about every player up top, is everything behind them is absolute dross, and that's our problem right now. I mean, um, from a two-man midfield that, like I said, gets run over and can't can't hold on to any semblance of control for as long as I can remember, to wing backs who aren't efficient or effective enough, and then a back three, like I said, that doesn't have the depth to be playing a back three. I really, really can't expect much from from the forwards either. And if I'm if I'm Harry Kane, I am just so fucking exhausted right now. Like holy shit, I don't I don't see how that guy could have a lick of energy towards towards Spurs at the moment. And of course, it's so easy for me to say that as as a fan from Seattle, right? But I just don't I don't understand how he believes in anything that's happening around him right now. And and you know I think that's something that we're gonna have to pay attention to. And it's probably another podcast episode in itself if we don't watch it. So. It's it's all going to come down to the managerial appointment, obviously. So um, yep. Yep. that's that's yeah, thing. yeah. And and I don't know if I'm if I'm reading ahead here, you know, when I bring this up, but I am absolutely ready to say that the only option Levy has now is to bring back Pochettino. That's it. I I don't. I'll oh, tell God. you. I'll tell you, Scott. I have not believed that until uh, really until today. Today's the first yeah. day where I've started to think that might actually be the move here and i don't know that it's a good move still but it does feel like there's it feels like there's some kind of chess game being played between uh enix slash levy slash the club and the fans because mm-hmm. and, and 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 it feels like the fans have have gotten to a place where and look hashtag not all fans but but it, but it feels like this is to a point this is to a point of toxicity where that's the only thing that that will bring the temperature around around a level that's acceptable. It's almost like um, you know how like nuclear reactors need to be like nuclear power plants need to have cooling in, in, to to, pre- to prevent you know meltdown. Like it almost feels like Mauricio Pochettino is the is the coolant to this nuclear reactor of of a Spurs uh, group of supporters at this point. Like I know that's a really weird like comparison but that's the way that this feels almost at this point it's an excellent analogy or comparison 100 and i agree with you i mean i think if we want to break this down we look at we look at arn slot okay i'm not i'm going to butcher some of these pronunciations and i really do apologize to to the listener but arn slot from feyenoord right we can look at the gentleman who's who's running things at, at Celtic right now, who looks really good. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, Posteglu or something like that. Um, those those are names that are being thrown around. We look at Vincent Company, who I personally, if you talk about, if you ask me about those three names, Company might be the the, the most suited. And I look at I look. This is all on Pochettino, so bear with the rant here. But I look at a guy like Slot. I look at a guy like Posteglu. We'll say is the pronunciation very talented managers, right? Um, I mentioned in the chat, and, and I say this with total banter. I consider myself a hipster listener, but I consider those very hipster hires, right? Um, I think I think those are hires that are really fun and exciting. But if you look at these managers who break through at, and are young, innovative managers, they're always coming from like a lower level in, in that same division that they're moving up within. So you can look at... You can look at Nagelsmann, right? He was at Hoffenheim, then Leipzig. Hoffenheim is where he came out of nowhere, right? It wasn't like a move from the Dutch league to the German league. It was Hoffenheim to Leipzig to Bayern, maybe Spurs. Um, but but you look at the progression there, right? Um, you look at a guy like Pochettino who came out of nowhere, Southampton, then Spurs, right? Desarby, 
he's going to be the next one from Brighton, right? He, and and I look at a guy like him, and he's very smart to go to Brighton and not make a jump to a bigger club, right? And if I'm Arn Slaughter plus Stegel, I'm thinking the same thing. I don't think either one of those hires can come into this toxic ass atmosphere and and survive. I don't think they can, right? It's it's fucked. Well, um, and to your point, that's why I feel like Pochettino right now, because he's been here previously and because everyone knows the history. That's why I feel like he's the coolant to this nuclear reactor because anyone else is why do you want to enter a, a, a nuclear facility that's that's being overheated? Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to come into a situation as an outsider, quote unquote, yep. and and think that I can be the, the solution. I mean, look, maybe someone has that ego. Maybe someone has that ability. Look, I, then again. I don't know that I want someone with the ego of a Mourinho or a Conte thinking I can come in and fix this. Like that's, that's, that's the whole thing. No, you're right. You're exactly right. Because a a, a slaughter of Posteglu, they have to come in and prove themselves. They're much more focused on, on the job at hand, the job they need to do, their careers, the move itself. Pochettino comes back. This is his club. He's one of us. He is here to fix the problem. Like he's not here for a career bump or a next new exciting challenge in the ladder of of his rise. He is here to fix the problem. And he's a fucking world-class manager. Like he just managed PSG, right? Real Madrid wants him. Like I think that there's, and I'm not saying from you at all, but there is this idea out there that Pochettino is like, an underachiever or a loser. He is a fucking world-class manager who took this fucking team and almost won the champions league with it. Like we, we need to bring him back. I know I'm very biased, but as you have said, like he is the coolant to the fucking flames that are Tottenham Hotspur right now. We need someone to come in and calm things down. He's the only one that will do it. He was the, he is the only one that will get fans there singing and 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 rooting for this team and not booing their own players. I, I do not trust any hipster ass hired, as I say again in jest. I apologize. I'm not not I hope I don't offend anyone. I consider myself a massive hipster, but I do not want of these like the next big thing to come through and have all this all this massive mess to deal with. It just doesn't make sense anymore. I, I can't really agree or disagree with with anything you just said. And I also didn't I didn't even really intend for us to go on a managerial rant for 10 minutes, but we did uh, because it still feels like there's a long way to go now with what seven games left. I think it is. Um, but yeah, I, look, I said a few weeks ago, if like fast forward button, that would be great, but we still got to slog through the rest of this um, before we get on to some other topics. I do want to address uh, Hotspur. Sam reached out with a couple of points uh, for the pod. Um, he's <laughs> Hotspur, Hotspur. Sam says with all the problems we have, one of the one of the great big ones is a lack of quality. Fans should recognize this, and and that's something that you you spoke on a little bit earlier. Is just that the quality of the players needs to improve, and and that's been a, a work in progress. And it kind of, quite honestly, goes back to the whole original Pochettino line of furniture in in the new house. Um, but Hotspur Sam adds, asking, uh, can we get out of the Poro loan, or have we spent another forty five million? on defensive dross and the answer to that question would be no we cannot get out of, of the poro deal uh it is an obligation to buy it's actually um it's actually 39 million pounds 45 million euro uh on that deal and look i do want to i do want to hit the pause button on pedro poro for a second because th- what what we've seen from pedro poro thus far has been exactly what was advertised to us. He is an all gas, no breaks right wing back. He is going forward very, very good, gonna bang in all the crosses. And look, if you go back and watch that game today, I, I didn't count, but I think you might have reached double digits on the number of good to to very good crosses that he put into the box today. There were a lot of them. Um, there were a ton of good crosses. There was there was good movement offensively. Defensively, he is Drek. We, we saw that from the first moment he stepped on the pitch for this club. We saw it throughout the day today. He is very, very, very bad defensively. I'm not really quite sure that we're that that there was some kind of false advertising going on here with Pedro Poro. I'm not really sure this is anything that we didn't expect. We knew that he was a right wing back with very little back <laughs> in that description of the position. He is more way more right wing than right back. So I just... 
at this point, yeah, is it frustrating, especially when you when you have the likes of I mean, look, what happened when Pedro Porro and Davison Sanchez were both on the right side of a defense last time? Uh, we lost to Leicester four one. <laughs> that's what happened. I'll, I'll I'll just jump the gun on that trivia question. So that's what that's what we saw today. And and if you're going to combine those two things, look, when he's played with Romero behind him, things have, have looked a little bit better. But if you're going to pair those two things together, I'm sorry, that's the result that you're going to get with Pedro Porro. Any anything else you want to add on Pedro Porro before I move on? No, you're right. We got exactly what what we were advertised, and I I will just say, unfortunately, I'm very confident in saying this. We we now have our next example of Daniel Levy spending a bunch of money on a player for a manager that he sh- sacked shortly after. Um, he does that. We 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 saw it with Pochettino. We spent 150 million dollars on three players that Pochettino really really wanted, and we backed him, and then sacked him six weeks later. Uh, we, we did the same thing with Conte, with Pedro Porro, and with Charlison. And you know, we talk about Levy not spending. He spent a lot of money in the past 18 months, and and you know, we sacked the manager who he spent all that money for. So it's a uh, another another you know fumble from the chairman, in my opinion. Um, I I am far from someone who's going to get on a podcast, as you know, every day and say "fuck Levy, Levy out," blah blah blah. I'm not that type of person, right? But I certainly am the type of person who will point out a mistake that someone made and not judge them for it, right? But point it out. And Daniel Levy made another mistake with with, with the whole Pedro Porro into sacking sacking Conte situation. And and I I I think it's nuanced and it's worth pointing out, right? There was a lot of pressure to spend money and a lot of pressure to get Porro in. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that the window just drug on so long with all these deals taking forever as they always do with Levy. But, um, you know, so there was pressure on him to bring Poro, but you, at some point you have to realize that things aren't going well with Conte and you pay attention to the media. I mean, I've been saying for 18 months that Conte's showing us signs that he's out already. Right. So Levy would have had to have recognized some of that. Um, and it's a, again, just unfortunately another fumble. So, I wish Poro all the best, you know, here at Spurs. But I, you know, if we bring in, say, a Pochettino, I don't have any faith with him at right back. And I think he's like a backup right midfielder in that 4-2-3-1 maybe. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, no question about it. Um, And then before we move on from the game, I just wanted to go back to Davis Sanchez quickly. Um, Another thing Hotspur Sam added uh, was asking if he has kicked his last ball at Spurs. And then uh, Paul Hamilton jumps in and says the treatment of Sanchez was very disappointing uh, and adds that it was embarrassing. Um, I, look, we, we briefly touched on this earlier. I, I don't – initially my reaction online was like, yeah, it's not that shocking that he's, he's getting booed. Um, this has been a regular thing. But then I think back and it's like, yeah. And also the club booed Emerson Royale earlier in the season and they've booed, you know, they've booed Eric Dyer at times they've booed, they've booed players and that's not great. And I get that some fans will say, well, we, we paid it, paid for a ticket. We have the right. Uh, Others will say, no, you support the club uh, and the players that are on, on the pitch. Um, I don't I, I don't really come down on one side of this fence or the other. I, I do think it sucks that this whole situation has come about. I also am not 100% sure that Davison Sanchez has kicked his last ball for Spurs because we don't know what the injury to Longley will be long-term, and we don't know what kind of depth this club is going to have right now, and we don't really have any confidence that they're going to actually move to only playing two center backs. We still kind of have this belief that there's going to be a three-center back system uh, moving forward because of who's in charge. So I don't know, man. I don't know what to, to make of, of Davidson Sanchez other than I don't like the situation. I think it sucks for, for everyone involved. Yeah, it does. It sucks for everybody. It sucks for Sanchez. It sucks for, for all the players to have to see their teammate being treated like that. It's, it's you know, I I do have to say, though, if – and again, high science 2020, and I've had time to reflect on the question, right? But I really think the only thing you can say in that situation, if you're Hugo, is that like we can't control the actions of others, only how we react to them. And the fans have every right to have whatever opinion they ha- that they have, right? I'm not here to to tell other people how to feel. Feelings are valid, and 
maybe we as as a team have to think about the fact that the fans are very unhappy with us, right? Um, so again, I don't agree with booing players ever, but I don't think that the players can sit here and say, why, why, you know, woe is me, boo-hoo, because we can only be responsible for, for the way that, that you know, we, we handle ourselves. And I don't think we can, we as humans can be upset with the way that other people feel. You know, if we have a problem with the way other people feel, then then I guess it's on us to change that or, or, or we don't don't feel any type of way about it. So I, I liken that, you know, that life mentality to the players and they're going to have to take some responsibility for the fact that the fans are unhappy, even though I would never boo them myself. No, no question about it. Um, two more stories that we're going to touch on before we get out of here, Scott. Uh, the first is the appointment of Scott Munn as chief football officer. This happened uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, he has joined the club's board and is going to take charge of all footballing departments. Uh, the club released a statement saying that Scott, the former city football group executive, has extensive sp- experience within sporting organizations, having started his career with the Sydney Organi- Organizing Committee for the 2000 Olympic Games and then transitioning into National Rugby League before joining the Australia Football League. Uh, Scott then joined Mel- Melbourne City FC as chief executive officer in 2010. In 2019, he was appointed chief executive officer of the City Football Group China. Um, this is kind of on the surface something that we have all called for is for uh, Enoch to put in place someone to run football and have Daniel Levy step o- away from that side and more onto the business side. I, on the surface, I think this is a what what appears to be a good thing. I just I take all of these things with a grain of salt at this point, and I don't know what to expect because I don't know what Scott Munn's real experience. I mean, he's obviously got experience in football. He's got experience in rugby as well, obviously, and just in in organizations of of this magnitude. Um, so I don't really question that part of it. I just question, really. I question. I take it all with a grain of salt because I question how much of the thumb is going to be on the scale from other people other than Scott Munn. I, I guess mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I, I enter this with um, cautious optimism, this appointment. Yeah. As, as I think is, is wise to do. I, I, I will say this. I think you're, well, first of all, you're spot on. It's, it's going to come down to how involved Levy is. And that's something that we will just never know until, until it's happening. Right. Um, but if the question is, is Scott Munn talented, very much so in my opinion first of all he's a bald man named scott i have a massive amount of respect for this no question um, no I, look, question look you and i both are are gonna support a fellow bald let's let's yes. go with that yes with an excellent name too so so welcome to the club mr munn um but but no all jokes aside if if i'm looking for talent in whatever fashion be it on the field off the field people taking tickets I'm looking at Man City. That's where the city group, that's where the talent lies. We all know this, right? They 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 bring it in and they hoard it and they create they create magic with that with that talent, right? How they bring it in is a whole nother conversation, right? You know how I feel about that, but 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 they work wonders with all that talent. If I want talent, I look at City Group. Melbourne City in a in a new league quickly, quickly became the powerhouse down in Australia, right? Um, they run that league. Scott Munn was a huge, is a huge reason why they run that league. And then he got appointed City Group China. This is before the Chinese league toppled because of COVID. This was when the Chinese league was like the next big thing. All the money was flowing through the Chinese Super League. Players were moving in their prime to the Chinese Super League. He was appointed the head of City Group. Let's, re- let's think about this, right? City Group. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to talk to you like this. I'm just more talking out loud here, right? Let's think about the fact that this is Citigroup, um, and he's appointed head of Citigroup China. So I think it's a very exciting hire. I think that, you know, like I said, when you're looking for talent, you look to Citigroup, and I think we found a very talented individual. It really just comes down to how involved Daniel Levy is. Now, from, from what we're told, Scott Munn reports to the board. He does not report to Levy. Um he is on the board actually. Right. So uh, I guess he reports to himself in that sense. So I think that's very exciting. Um, we all know that any director of football would report directly to Scott Munn and not to Levy is, you know, is what we're told in the press. So that's, that's, that's good news. And um, I think a lot of people throughout the world, pundits, fans, everybody 
sees that Daniel Levy is very talented, but but maybe isn't always involved in the right sense, right? And I hope this is a step in the direction to get him involved in the ex- exact and precise sense for this club. Let Scott Munn run the footballing operations. But as you said, only time will will tell us that. We're definitely going to have more to say as kind of we, we learn a little bit more about Scott Munn and, and we'll we'll try to get the opinions of, of some of our other uh, Tottenham Depot uh, members here. But I, I just again, this is one of those where cautious optimism is, is my biggest thing. I, I, I hope that this is a step in that direction of a split from Levy away from the football side. But honestly, if there is a Pochettino rehire um, this summer, that is something that I don't have a whole ton of confidence in because i feel like levy and pochettino are so kind of intertwined but we'll, we'll see we'll see how this goes and i'm i'm interested in in seeing how it, it, it plays out um before we depart i, I do want to touch on this story surrounding destiny adogi uh in italy it's a scary story it's a a concerning story and i i hate to i mean look <laughs> this has not been the brightest podcast talking about the subject matter um but Destiny Adogi was evo- involved in a car crash in Italy this week. Uh, it, it apparently happened in the early hours of Thursday morning. Um, and Adogi apparently smashed his Mercedes into a local bar, uh, causing an estimated uh, 3,000 euros in damage. Now, the positive to take out of this is that apparently no one was injured, including Adogi himself. Um, now, a lot of the reporting on this has come from places like the Mirror and the Daily Mail. So take all of the reporting with a grain of salt. Uh, there was apparently a breathalyzer issued, but the results of that uh, have not been revealed. Uh, Tottenham has yet to make a statement on this, but uh, this is not a great situation for a player who's been on loan uh, in Italy all season and is supposed to be coming back to the club this summer and, and hopefully, you know, I would imagine taking over the role that Ivan Perisic has played uh, going into next year. This could be a little bit of a black mark on that. Could it not? Yeah, it could. I mean, I, I, first of all, I really hope alcohol wasn't involved. I think I have a little bit of hope that it wasn't in the sense that we haven't heard that it was right. And I think it would be very hard to keep that quiet for this long. So I, I do have some hope that it was just, you know, a, a, an error in driving, which is, again, still an error, um, but an error in driving and more to come. As we talked about off the air, it's kind of hard to think that I wasn't involved at three in the morning either, right? So we, we have a lot to learn. Um, I also think that this gets more coverage because of how talented he is and, and what a shit situation we're in, right? We, we're, we're keeping a close eye on our talent abroad because we're in a bad spot and we know he's very talented, very talented. So you know this does get a little extra bump in coverage, I think, because of because of that, and and it is what it is. But but yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. I really 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 hope that alcohol wasn't involved. If it was, that's pretty tough. Um, but very glad that no one's hurt, including Udogi, right? When it comes down to it, that's that's the main the main thing here, regardless of anyone's legal issues or whether or not Udogi can come back and fit right in. First and foremost, was anyone hurt and nobody was hurt. Thank thank God for that. Yeah, and again, we are doing some wild speculation here, and all the all the allegedly is get thrown into this conversation because Start we just job, don't man. know. We just don't know what exactly what happened. But I, as you said, the most important thing is that no one uh came away from this uh injured or or worse. Um I just I hope for everybody involved that that whole situation gets worked out because there's a lot of promise with this player and, and, you know, we hope that, um, that nothing has gone awry, but, uh, no. boy, it's, 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 it's scary to see the photographs, uh, it was described the, both the sound and the visuals was described as a bomb going off. And you, it, it is hard to imagine a, a scenario where uh, something did not go horribly wrong there, uh, with, yeah. with this crash. So we, we hope that, um, that everything comes out, uh, comes out okay from this. So, uh, Scott, I'm, I'm exhausted, man. I'm, I'm ready to get out of here. This has been, look, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, the apathy has kind of set in. Um, <laughs> we're going to keep doing podcasts through it though, because that's what we do. But to. boy, this is, this is, um, like I said, what is it? Seven games left. And I'm just like looking down at my, my invisible watch on my wrist and saying, let's, uh, let's speed this whole thing up because this has been, it's been tough, man. This has been a brutal, yeah. brutal stretch. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really mean it. I would I would much prefer for for the season to be over. I would not. I don't prefer to like you know to just like speed the clock ahead and and for all that time to be gone. But I certainly wish that there was no more football ahead. Um, and I wish and, and I think as as much as I I joke around when I say that, I think I'm serious in the sense that. I really just wish that we had moved on from this 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 mess, right? And that we had a little bit more direction as to to where things were going. I think that's what we're all cra- craving right now. And so maybe you know maybe if I could close the episode by saying there is a way for this to 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 calm down a little bit. And as we said, you bring Pochettino back. So I think I think the only way that I really have any interest in the rest of the season is if they were to, were to let us know that Pochettino was coming back or even get him back right for a few games. But that's the only way that I'm interested in anything. And that don't, that interest would only draw from getting a chance to look at what's going to happen under the, under, under Poch 2.0. Right. So um, yeah, that's, that, that's it. Otherwise I'll, you know, I'll watch matches and I'll pod, but as far as any emotional ties to Spurs go, see you next season. We will, uh, we'll have to wait on a potential, Poch 2.0. Instead, we have Conte 2.0 in Stellini, and that's um, that's what we've got for so far. Well so we'll have to uh, we'll have to just continue to to ride this wave and hope that we don't drown underneath of it. So uh, this has been a fun one. You can follow Scott at DSM Spurs. Follow me at Astetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Uh, we will be back with you. I don't, I, I, I would say next week after I don't, I honestly, I don't even know who we play next week. I, I have yeah, not looked, I couldn't tell you. but we will, but we will be back after that game. I could look it up right now, but I'm not, I'm not even going to reach over to my, to my computer mouse and look, cause I don't care. That's, that's where one we thing are. I, yeah. One thing I do know is that we, we do play, we, or we do have a waxing against Villa on the horizon. I think we play them once more and they're going to fucking smoke us. So. Yeah. And you know, that's the, the, the other thing we didn't even mention that Villa Villa defeated Newcastle this morning before yeah. Spurs even took the pitch. And that yeah. would have been just the perfect scenario for Spurs to pick up, uh, pick up some ground. And they just simply didn't. So they put the pressure Ap- on us and we'll certainly wilt. Apathy FC continues uh, and we will be here to talk about it. So, uh, Until then, this has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>